0: This is In House Insiders, a podcast from the Association of Corporate Counsel, where you'll hear from the most interesting in house legal professionals in Australia. On the show, we'll explore their stories, the challenges they've faced along the way, and the lessons they've learned that have defined their careers. I'm your host, May Ramsey, and I'm the Group Executive, Legal Governance and Regulatory Affairs at Medibank. In today's episode, we're speaking to Rhea Mangare, Legal Counsel at Tourism Australia. Rhea's career has had a number of twists and turns. She started out in California as a paralegal before deciding to make a big change and move to Australia as a single parent. Today, you'll hear why Rhea decided to come to Australia, how her career as a paralegal enabled her to jump into in-house roles earlier than most, and how the theme of giving back has had a big impact on her career. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome, Ria, to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, May. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Wonderful. I thought that we would start out with talking a little bit about your background. Obviously, you live in Australia, but you've had a whole career before coming here. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, yeah,
1: sure. Absolutely. So before I delve into the details of my career, one of the things that I believe really informs my legal professional skills is also my upbringing. It can be said that I've had quite an unconventional upbringing. I was born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Saudi Arabia, moved to the US as a teenager, spent most of my formative years there, had a stint in the Netherlands, then back to California, and finally migrated to Australia. I guess it can also be said that my law journey and career path is equally unconventional. The path I've taken is less linear, more of like if you can visualize it, a zigzag to arriving where I am now in my career. So for context, it was 2009 and by then I had been working at a top tier US law firm in California as a what they call a career paralegal for more than several years and dealing with this fork in the road in my life. The impact of the global financial crisis was also very much alive, in my mind at least, particularly for me as a single mum to a toddler at the time. It was then that I decided to really seriously consider pursuing my Juris Doctorate. It's always been in the back burner, but with time, money, etc., I was put on hold and just life circumstances, again, of being a single parent, it was put on hold. I really decided that it was the time to invest in myself and my education I had the options of studying in the US, Europe, and Australia. And ultimately, I chose to study overseas in Australia, one, because it's a big adventure to go overseas, and two, why Australia? Because of my familiar connections to the country. I moved from California to Sydney in 2011 to undertake my Juris doctor studies at the University of Sydney. I came to Australia with my life savings and my son. I was nearly hitting the big 3.0, a mature age student, a person from humble beginnings and modest means that appears at odds with the pedigrees of high-profile legal luminaries of Australia and maybe some other countries as well. But I bring that up because I'm very proud, actually, of my journey into the law and overcoming the call for a range of adversities that I've experienced firsthand. It's really through these lived experiences that I can speak authentically of the barriers to education, to so-called success, to equal opportunity, gender parity, etc. And I believe it is incumbent on me to share my story in hopes of positively influencing people who may feel like they don't belong in the law because you have to fit into a very specific set of criteria to be in this practice, in this profession. In that sense, that's a snapshot of the genesis of my career path into the law I started following graduation in-house at Procter and Gamble which is a fortune 500 multinational company I did have the opportunity to go to private practice but ultimately I chose going into in-house role because I was interested in applying my legal knowledge and skills having worked in private practice in the US into a real-life business setting. And as you know, May, having been in-house yourself, the intricacies of that, it was a practice that I didn't know too much about. And for me, I wanted to explore that challenge in the way that I wanted to explore the challenge of moving overseas as a single parent and pursuing my Juris doctor degree.
0: Wow, there's so much in there, Ria. As you say, what an amazing background and journey to bring you here to Australia as an in-house lawyer. Can we pick up on the experience of being a single mum and moving to another country? What was that like? Of
1: course, I'm very much open to discussing that. So as I mentioned, I was a mature age student already. To the audience members who are parents, you are very much across, or carers to (laughs) children, even if you're not parents, you're very much across the challenges that come with juggling the responsibilities of home life with professional life and all the other interests that you may have outside of those two spheres. So to be quite honest, it was probably the most challenging time in the past decade for me personally and also professionally. I was still working at the time. I juggled my studies working nearly full time and also looking after my young son. So a typical day for me would be a six o'clock start, as you do, getting yourself ready as well as your child ready for the day, going to drop him off at school, off to uni or work, depending on what the day was, picking up my son after uni and work and into the evening really carving out the time for myself to study or do assessments and really by the time that all concluded it will be way into the wee hours of the night and I would have to do that all over again the next day. So for me what I took away from that was efficiency in time management. There was no time to be wasted. And I think because of the experience that I've had, I've been able to take that with me into my practice in understanding what priorities really are. Every in-house lawyer, I think, would be able to appreciate how clients tend to say it's urgent (laughs) and understanding what's truly urgent and triaging accordingly. In some ways, the skill that comes with that, for me at least, stems from that really difficult time that I had to juggle all of those combined and in some ways competing priorities at a time into my current practice.
0: Wow, Ria, thank you for sharing that because it's a personal story, obviously, of yours. But what a wonderful role model would have been for your son during that period and no doubt continue to see his mum achieve so much while still giving him such wonderful care and support. And I love the way you've drawn out what you learnt from that and how it applies to your in-house career now because it's so true. You know, I always say to new lawyers starting in-house that you're never going to get to the bottom of your inbox The key is, as you say, prioritise and know what's, you know, really critical and what needs to get done, what's strategic and valuable for the organisation. So it sounds like you've got that nailed.
1: It's the best way to go about, you know, creating a learning experience for yourself.
0: Going back to your legal career trajectory, you mentioned you started at Procter & Gamble, but obviously you're not there at the moment. So tell me, how did you find yourself where you are today? What happened after your time at Procter & Gamble?
1: Before I go into what happened after Procter & Gamble, I do want to shed light on my time at Procter & Gamble because I think in some ways it really contributed to where I am now in my career. And that's because of the mentors that I had within the organisation, the confidence they had in me in providing opportunities to step up, And also just the nature of the business of a multinational company like Procter & Gamble. In talking about this, I do need to contextualise the in-house role at Procter & Gamble. As with many in-house legal teams, it was a very, very lean team. Two lawyers, including myself as the grad lawyer, reported to the senior legal counsel and the work pretty much landed on us without support from other legal teams outside of our own within Australia and New Zealand. And we dealt with the more than a dozen brands that Procter & Gamble have in their pipeline within the Australia and New Zealand markets. So you can imagine the volume of work and the pace at which it is required of the lawyers to perform Accordingly, to answer to the business's needs. Going back to what I said about mentors, not only did I have a very supportive senior legal counsel manager who really took me under her wing, I also had a very supportive leadership team who recognized the potential in me, even though I was very much a junior lawyer. They saw the potential in me to be a leader. And I think that is so important and in some ways vital for all of us lawyers who are in our later years of our practice to think about in looking at the generation of lawyers that are rising up through the ranks. I think if not for that experience, I wouldn't have the confidence that. I had coming into the role where I am now, which is Legal Counsel of Tourism Australia. I was really able to refine my, not just legal professional skills, but my knowledge of how businesses work and what the expectations are of salespeople, marketing people, IT people, comms people, the whole range of Stakeholders that we are faced with as in-house legal teams, I took that all with me and I positioned myself in this role within Tourism Australia. Tourism Australia, as you may know, is the federal government agency, essentially the National Tourism Board, responsible for marketing Australia as an international destination to international travellers for business and leisure. It's a government role, essentially, but because of its unique status as a Commonwealth corporate entity, it operates in a very commercial way, similar to how private sector companies would work. And it was in this environment that I was, again, able to thrive in bringing in the knowledge, experiences, and learnings that. I had experience within Procter & Gamble.
0: That's great. It's interesting, isn't it? The Tourism Australia, as you say, although it is a government enterprise, acts much more like a corporate. I had the same experience here at Medibank when I first joined. At that stage was a government business enterprise, but obviously since then has been listed. I'd like to pick up on a comment that you made earlier when you took your first role, which was in-house at Procter & Gamble, You mentioned that you were thinking you could go to private practice or go in-house and you chose in-house. That's quite unusual at that stage for a lawyer in their career. Normally they would go to private practice for a couple of years and then move in-house if that's what they were interested in. Why do you think you were able to go in-house so early in your career?
1: I think it's a combination of factors. I think one, it's to my point earlier about taking on this zigzag Type of path into my legal career journey. I think in some ways I was inclined to challenge myself. Secondly, I was emboldened by the fact that I did have a certain degree of private practice experience coming from a career paralegal background at a top tier in the US. And finally, it's a curiosity. I was so curious about how. I could be a lawyer within a business environment. How does that even reconcile? I had no idea at the time. And maybe ignorance is bliss (laughs) in that sense. But I'm so grateful that I took that leap of faith for myself because quite honestly, I haven't looked back. I haven't regretted or reconsidered or revisited that decision in a way that Makes me think, oh, I should have done it the other way around. I should have modeled myself off what I've seen in practice with other lawyers coming out of law school, going into private practice and going into in house. To be quite frank, there are downsides to that. There may be some out there who would think, well, you don't have the private practice experience under your belt and therefore, you may not satisfy X, Y, Z in terms of pursuing this role or that role. And I appreciate that comes with the territory of going straight in-house. It's almost like you have to debunk all those assumptions and break down those preconceived notions of what it means to be in-house. And I accept that. And again, I think it's another challenge that I take on in positioning myself and continuing to even posture myself as a legal professional and the credibility and authenticity that comes with that experience. And finally, I do think there is something to be said, particularly with law students out there who are considering their career options as they're coming out of law school or even as they start going into the law. I, in some ways, want to present that real-life example or even option to say it's possible to go out of law school as a fresh graduate and go in-house. There's nothing wrong with it. And obviously, it's a very valid career path as well to do private practice, et cetera, et cetera. That's perfectly fine. But I think there's not enough examples out there of professionals who do have the background and history
0: that I have. and talking about that, I understand that you're involved in a program with ACC that aims to help law students go into in-house roles earlier. Could you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yes, and thank you for raising that. It is something that I'm quite passionate about. So outside of my legal counsel role, I actively serve as a committee member of the Association of Corporate Counsel Australia's Law Student and Graduate Lawyers Special Interest Group. And its main aim really is to raise awareness around in-house career opportunities and career pathways. One of our biggest wins as a committee since it formed last year was launching a first of its kind in-house clerkship program for the summer 21-22 period. The program enjoyed keen interest from dozens of in-house teams and naturally, enthusiastic law students who were equally keen to explore what in-house work looked like. For me, the key takeaway in launching that sort of program was around that curiosity from law students in, again, reflecting on what their career options are. And secondly, the keen interest from in-house teams to be equally as passionate as the committee members are, because we came together for that very reason of going, you know what, in-house careers should not be a secondary option for law students to consider. It should be a primary option, should be equally valid in terms of thinking about what your career journey looks like coming out of law school. Our hope is, when it comes to thinking about those opportunities, that this sort of clerkship program will enable in-house teams to open up the doors for law students who want to take that first step into in-house. You may have the interest from law students, but if you don't have the opportunities from the in-house teams, then it's not something that will be viable going forward. And that's where we intend to, as a committee, to bridge that gap and create those opportunities.
0: What an amazing program. And hopefully when you'll get some other in-house teams that will listen to this podcast and that will generate even more interest. So to expand on that, what do you think are some of the benefits of having younger in-house lawyers on the team?
1: I think the real benefit is one, the enthusiasm that comes with young law students who are really hungry to learn. And the enthusiasm brings also a different way of thinking that maybe you're. In house eagle team may not have unpacked i believe that law students at least the ones that i've encountered in my many opportunities networking in terms of being a mentor i believe they're hands down intelligent talented but also very commercially minded And I think that's where in-house teams can really benefit from viewing law students as not just, oh, it's going to be a time-consuming exercise to onboard a law student. No, I think we need to change that mindset of we need to invest our time in this incoming generation of lawyers, not only for their benefit, but for our benefit as well, because we can learn so much. From these law students in the way they view the world, in the way they view commercial environments, in the way they view technologies, in how they piece it all together. In-house teams that really lean in to this mindset, to these opportunities, can see a real benefit in terms of growing their talent.
0: So true. You've obviously, from the work that you just described with ACC and other roles that you've had, a big part of that is giving back. Why do you think that you've been drawn to these activities?
1: I do dedicate a lot of my time to mentoring law students and law graduates formally and informally. I like to say to people, I have this open door policy where I extend an open invitation to those interested to reach out for a chat, coffee to me. This really stems from my strong belief in our duty as legal professionals to mentor the next generation of lawyers. And I touched on that just a few months ago. As an in-house lawyer, I advocate for, as I mentioned, pursuing career in this practice as the first option. I do think it's a conversation piece that is missing at the tertiary level. It's a gap. I think that needs to be bridged by law schools in thinking about career pathways of their graduates. For me, it's not just a one way relationship, and I actually learn a lot from my mentees. They come with this perspective on life, career, and the legal professional that I am not entirely across. Their lived experiences are equally valuable, in my opinion, how it informs my role as a mentor, as a legal professional, as a leader. I mean, it, it makes me think about things how. In terms of how do I lead with diversity, inclusion, and belonging in mind? How do I lead with thinking about championing the importance of mental health? How do I lead, especially during these quite tumultuous times, how do I lead calmly and collectively with grit and compassion? And I think, again, having this desire to learn from the younger generation helps me in in that thinking.
0: That's truly inspirational, Rhea. I was going to ask actually. What do you think other in-house counsel would gain from giving back like this? But I think you've just completely outlined more than enough reasons for all of us to get involved. Please do. <laughs> now, I've got a bit of change of pace now. I'd like to turn to what we call the quick fire round, where I ask you a whole lot of questions really quickly. And you just tell me the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. Okay. If you met your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give them? Travel more. Yes, I think a lot of people felt that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think you've done it pretty well, you know, when you were describing earlier all the various places that you've lived and now worked. It's been, compared to a lot of us, very, very well-traveled. The next one is, what is one skill you've really had to develop through your in-house role?
1: Definitely communication skills.
0: It's so true and it's critical, isn't it, when you're in-house to be able to communicate correctly and appropriately.
1: Yes, not talk like a lawyer.
0: (laughs) Where do you go to upskill?
1: I go to a number of resources apart from the usual desktop research. I upskill in terms of reaching out to interest areas that are not necessarily within the law. For example, I love art, I love fashion, I love cooking. I think having interests outside of the legal profession in some ways makes you a more well-rounded legal professional.
0: So true. And as you say, you can learn so much from other areas as well. Who's someone you really admire?
1: Apart from my mother, of course, who is my absolute hero in terms of thinking about someone that I'm really drawn to as a leader, it would have to be Michelle Obama.
0: And I presume you've uh, read her book, Becoming.
1: Yes, and then partly audio as well, because time for <laughs> <laughs> No, It's called
0: Multitasking. Well done. <laughs> what's one item on your bucket list?
1: On my bucket list, I would love to go to Antarctica.
0: <laughs> fantastic. So would I. Maybe we can one day book a trip.
1: <laughs> yes, that would be fantastic, mate.
0: Uh, what's your favorite hobby? I know you've mentioned a few already, but which is your favorite?
1: My favourite hobby is cooking, actually. I love cooking. It's quite therapeutic for me.
0: And is there a particular cuisine that you enjoy more than others or you just love them all?
1: I am particularly drawn to cuisine from the Middle East area of the world, mainly because I grew up in Saudi Arabia and I'm really much drawn to that food. And obviously, being Filipino, I love Filipino food as well.
0: I expect dinner time at your place to be much more exciting than mine. That sounds very exotic. (laughs) (laughs) What are you reading at the moment?
1: At the moment, apart from the news, (laughs) which is actually in some ways a big part of my job description, I'm actually exploring some more cookbooks to potentially build on my little food blogs that I'm working on.
0: Oh, fantastic. I look forward to reading into that some more. And then finally, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning?
1: Apart from thinking about what the day looks like, I take a deep breath and take a few moments to myself.
0: Sounds very centering. Thank you, Rhea. That brings our podcast to a conclusion. I want to thank you, though, for sharing what's been really a broad range of topics from both your journey to Australia with your young son. Moving into a legal career and then becoming an advocate for young lawyers and lawyers in training. You're a wonderful example. As I said, a role model earlier, not just for your family, but more broadly for the profession. So thank you.
1: Thank you, May, for the opportunity.
0: You've been listening to In House Insiders, a podcast about the stories, challenges, and lessons learnt by Australia's top in house legal professionals. In-House Insiders is produced by the Association of Corporate Counsel. ACC's purpose is to support the professional and business interests of in-house counsel through information, education, networking and advocacy initiatives. I've personally been an ACC member for 15 years and I continue to remain a member for the fantastic peer networking opportunities I get and the access to tailored CPDs that cater for every stage of an in-house lawyer's career. If you're not a member already, you can join me and over 45,000 other in-house counsel from around the world. For more information about ACC or to join, please visit the website acc.com. This has been In-House Insiders. I'm May Ramsey and I'll speak to you next time.